We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is your True Faith and Castle United podcast. This is just a quick note from me to say that before the recording of last Tuesday's show, at the Stand Comedy Club. Uh, you can catch the Q&A part of that show, the second half of that show, on our Patreon platform, which is £6.61, for loads of True Faith podcasts about Newcastle United and other things. Uh, we are having another live show on the 4th of August at The Stand. The Stand, first time there for us. Brilliant venue. Really enjoyed doing it. Massive thanks to them for hosting us. Uh, we'll be doing a pre-season show with a lot of the same guys, maybe a few more. Um, on the 4th of August. Tickets aren't on sale yet because it's a bit early. I just wanted to give everyone that notice because I think tickets will be very popular as we head into one of the most, if not the most, exciting seasons in Newcastle United's modern history. So uh, keep your diaries clear for that one. Keep an eye on uh, the True Faith Twitter, Facebook and Instagram feeds for that for when tickets are released. Uh, I leave you now with the recording from last Tuesday. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Thank you, Charlotte. So, welcome to the True Faith Podcast Live. It is the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined by George Calkin, Mark Douglas, and Craig Hope. For those listening, after the fact, thanks to the Stand Comedy Club in advance. Didn't think we were going to get a live venue for the end of season show, which is why tickets went on sale so late. So, thanks for coming, all of you, at such short notice. This season, eh? This season, season 21 22, will go down for years as one of the most important seasons in this football club's modern history. The season Mike Ashley left, the new owners came, Eddie Howe came. George, I'll start with you. Are you relieved it's over? Well, it feels like 21, 22 seasons all put together. Um, yeah, it's astonishing. It doesn't feel, I mean, October feels like a different life, doesn't it? Um, you know, I've been thinking about this today, doing writing kind of end of season stuff. I was at Wolves away, as you were, as Charlotte was, and... Um, and it just felt like nothing was ever going to change at this football club. Um, and obviously it was a miserable defeat. And I remember speaking to you afterwards and, you know, you, you saying it was the flattest the away end had ever been uh, that you could remember. I knew loads of people there that day who all said the same thing. And I listened to Steve Bruce afterwards and he, he talked about trying to find balance in the team. And he talked about trying to get the team playing on the front foot. And I thought, well, this feels familiar. <laughs> and I went back through my uh, computer to the Wolves away game the previous season, and he said exactly the same fucking thing. <laughs> and, and it was just astonishing. It was this sense of nothing is ever going to get better. 
nothing is going to change. It's a groundhog football club. And I've told this story before, but I was in the car on the way back and I spoke to a um, associate of Amanda Staverley who said that he'd spoken to her the day before and that she was, you know, that they were talking about the court case they had coming up in the January and she was still expressing confidence and said, oh, you know, I might even get it before then. And it's, we both laughed on the phone because it felt, it felt such a long way away. And, you know, my, my faith at that point was gossamer thin. Look where we are now. I mean, it's a, it's a different world for Newcastle. And, um, yeah, I, I won't, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it, but Arsenal, as way of contrast to Wolves, was absolutely everything I've ever wanted this football club to be. Um, the way I described it was the team played like the crowd sounded. And um, it was just a beautiful moment. But to have those two things together in the same season, it's astonishing. Yeah, well said. Mark, is there a more remarkable season for you covering this football club? Um, I think probably the season where Rafa Benitez came in was remarkable because for Mike Ashley to do something like that was, was remarkable. But I think the problem that you had with things like that and positive things that happened under Mike Ashley was you knew it wasn't going to last. There was no sense of it being sustained. I think the thing that, the thing that really struck in my mind as I came away from Burnley on Sunday was sort of the sense of possibility Every single year, I mean, I've done Newcastle for 13 years at the Chronicle, and every single one of them was shit. <laughs> even, the, even the season when they finished fifth, which was a fantastic season, you came away at the end of it knowing, well, what are they going to do this summer? And the, the noises were already, look, they've spent the, they've spent the summer budget on Papu Cissé, they made the play for the fourth, and, and it looks like nothing's going to happen, and there was all those kind of noises. For the first time on Sunday, I felt coming away wow, there's possibility here. It's going to be an enjoyable summer because, you know, we, we can talk about the budget and what the budget's going to be and whether it's going to be 60, 80, 100 million. It, it doesn't matter. They're going to spend. You know this club is going to move forward. There's a hell of a lot happening. And I think that, for me, is the remarkable thing. It's, it's actual positivity to feel that there's people in charge of the club, including the manager, by the way, who have an interest in taking it forward next season and will be aided by the hierarchy and will have the support of the supporters and will you know, have a media who will be able to report on those things as well. So absolutely remarkable year, but um, funnily enough, I was I kind of was driving, uh, driving back from Burnley as well and I had, had just a Spotify playlist on and um, Big River by Jimmy Nail came on. And that song will always remind me of that day in October. The, the, the line about what, what we will rebuild just set still now sends shivers up my spine. I'm not a Newcastle United fan. That moment for me, when that noise broke through, was the most remarkable moment I've ever experienced in a football stadium, including the team that I cover, and the including the team that I support. And you know, that felt to me as if the first moment of kind of, you know, realizing what we've got. And and for me, you know, final point was is we haven't seen anything yet. What's actually changed at Newcastle United? They spent a lot of money in January, but there is so many things that they still have to do and are going to do an academy that's going to be renovated, a new training ground, you know, um, a, a, a support staff for the, for the, for, um, for the team, um, you know, a stadium renovation. There's so much to happen. Very little has actually happened at Newcastle United that, that has changed apart from some better players. So, you know, it, it feels just so positive and, you know, almost a bit of euphoria about, about an end of season for once. 
The big river day was still shit, Steve Bruce was still manager. <laughs> See, come on. Um, <laughs> it did ruin it somewhat, didn't it? I'm, um, I'm giggling to myself listening to Mark talk about the fifth season because it just suddenly flashed back into my head. On the last day of the season, you might well have been there, we went, oh. out, we went out for a drink, or we stayed in the stadium for a drink with a few people who work for the club, not him or people around him, <laughs> but, but two or three people. And we were having a drink, and it was like, this is amazing, you know, incredible sort of achievement for the club back then. And one of the em employees went off and had a phone call and it was with Ashley, and she came back in tears because he was absolutely furious. Yeah. He was furious because fifth place was going to cost him money, mm. whereas fourth place wouldn't cost him money. Obviously, it would bring money in, and he was devastated. And you knew at that moment, it's that thing. It is that thing. It's you, you said it. He couldn't put two good decisions together. Um, and, you know, so looking back at that fifth place, it was a great thing, but it was mixed feelings because and they signed Vernon and Anita that summer one sign then yeah and that goes back to the story remember the year when Newcastle drew 3-3 at home to, to West Brom on the last day of the season and they were 3-0 up and Ashley had promised the staff huge bonuses hadn't you if they finished in the top 10 now the huge bonuses would have been more than the money they got via prize money and they were 3-0 up and I swear that day Mike Ashley sent a message down to the bench bring on Alan fucking Smith <laughs> Alan Smith came on West Brom scored three times in about 12 minutes. Smudger was finished, he was gone. Great lad, but totally gone. I always think that was a Mike Ashley substitution to save himself 10 million quid. But uh, anyway, to, 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 to carry on from that, I don't know if you feel like this, but I was in uh, the game on Sunday I was covering, I was at Brentford v, uh, v Leeds in West London, and I suddenly realised that 12 months ago to the day, pretty much, I was in West London covering Newcastle beating Fulham, and I couldn't believe that that was actually 12 months ago. So much has happened in that time that Steve Bruce was spunking results against relegated teams to jump to 12th. And it was, it was just, just, it was just, it was, ho it was horrible. Uh, and I always remember that day down at Craven Cottage. So I was banned from St. James's. So I was covering Newcastle away from home just to, just to be there and just started to look at him. And, uh, <laughs> And he walked out. We've covered games at Craven College before. The little cinder track in the press box is, is right there. And we looked at each other, and you could just see the mutual thought from him to me was, you prick. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, you were both right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just suddenly thought when I was at Brentford on, 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 uh, on Sunday, just how much has happened in the end. What a transformation from... From a club that was th that was going nowhere, you know, existing to exist as a phrase we, we we've all used when we've sat here and, and done these things and, and written in copy as well. But but now you know there is genuine ambition to to fulfil that potential. That I honestly mean this. There is no better stadium in the country at the moment to watch football and that sense of occasion. We have colleagues come from from you know, all over the country to, to to come up and work with us and. You can just see before the game that show of flags and that noise and that passion and what you guys are doing to the team. It's mind-blowing, it really is, and it's an absolute privilege to be there in a, in a press box covering it and just to think you know, where that could go in the, in, in the future as well. And we're gonna, probably going to come on to the, the, the budget as well, but you know, the message is evolution, not revolution. But, wow, let's enjoy the journey. You know? I think I was saying to George before that the journey is often better than the destination. Look at Man City. Man City are there now. And it's fucking boring. You know, m most weeks it is. They needed to go two goals down on that title-winning day to create that sense of jeopardy. Just enjoy what there is there now because, wow, 
we've been there for so long and this truly is special it really is i, I need to get to the destination once before i die that's all <laughs> I, that's i mean just once league cup whatever once though just once yeah. i want to talk about eddie howe to kick us off properly um there are Sorry, that fella that got Bournemouth relegated. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one. You know, there are colleagues of yours in the industry that can't tell you who the manager of the season is, but they know who it isn't, and it's not Eddie Howe, supposedly. Why? Why do you do you think? Is it purely a Saudi thing? Is it purely because it's Newcastle United? Are we? Am I deluded? Am I? Am I thinking that this eleventh place finish, which means so much to me and people who support the club, is it what these guys are saying? Is it un- inconsequential? Has is Eddie Howe the manager of the season? And if he is. Why is it so hard for him to get uh, national recognition, do you think? George, start us off. Uh, I think if you take away, my personal opinion, if you take away Klopp, if you take away Guardiola, then he's, you know, there's, no, there's not even a question to be had. I mean, you're talking about you know, Klopp until the other day is going for a quadruple. I mean, that's a pretty difficult um, thing to argue against. Guardiola is obviously you know, the manager of a truly exceptional team. We saw that ourselves a couple of weeks ago but what Eddie Howe has done is unprecedented and you know that has to be um, that has to be acknowledged he's done a brilliant job um, I think very few of us could have foreseen he would do as good a job as he did um, I mean I think there's that you know there is that sort of misnomer about the money that you know Newcastle stay up because it's of the amount of money they spent but you know that does take away from the years and years of not just underinvestment but misinvestment um, that we all know about. And for two pre- previous transfer windows, Newcastle had signed nobody that wasn't called Joe Willock. And so, you know, the 90, 90 million quid or whatever was making up for bad, you know, for bad, uh, making up for those sort of errors. What I love about what how drove in January was the character of the people that came in i mean the, you know bruno we know is a is a kind of transformative signing in so many ways but they all fitted in they all fitted into the ethos that was at the squad and i you know i've i've done this in in print but i kind of want to pay tribute to the players who've been here since the promotion season and since you know since the season afterwards who signed under rafa um many of whom should have been moved on uh, probably and would have been at a sort of more forward thinking club but How's got a how's got a tune out of those players? Jalinton is the case in point. Um, you know, nobody better represents the story that Newcastle have been on this season. But also people like Kraft, who's been fantastic. Cher, who's been fantastic. J- um, Shelby has been brilliant. And you know, it's all down to him. I remember that. You know, just just finally, um, at his on his introductory press conference, the thing that stuck in my mind, and the thing that I <laughs> kind of wanted to write about was he was asked what he'd been doing during his time out of football, and he said, I've been spending time digitising my training sessions. <laughs> and I thought, there's a sentence that Steve Bruce would <laughs> never have said. Um, what training sessions? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just that movement. And t- for mitigation for Steve Bruce, is, I guess, is that now there's an ownership who will do everything in their power to make that position work, whereas I think manager after manager after manager have found themselves fighting against the ownership. But he's done a brilliant job. He's, he is, he'd be my manager of the season, definitely. Yeah, totally agree. Mark, same question then. I mean, you know, we can all wax lyrical about Eddie Howe, and please do. Um, but, you know, why do you think, why do you think like, he can't get the credit in the national media? And, and, you know, maybe it shouldn't bother us. Maybe we should think, fuck them, it, it doesn't matter. But 
you know, we've had to live with Steve Bruce kind of presenting this alternate version of reality for so long. It genuinely did your head in. You, you, would, you would walk away from the away end at Aston Villa and think, fuck, that was shite. Yeah. And then the manager would be absolutely buzzing at full time with a nil too, like, well done, lads. But it, it seems to be the same where, where, you know, guys in your industry are falling over themselves to say, and, you know, he's, done a, he's, he's fine, but he's done an average job. What, what's all that about? Yeah. Can, you not, can you not tell them? Get into them? It's a, yeah, I mean, it, for me, for me the, the problem with Bruce, which I always felt as soon as he got the job, was that there was the friends of Steve Bruce thing is is not Copyright you know, truth <laughs> it's, like, it, it's true you know he, he has Absolutely. got people he has got people who support him through thick and thin in the you know national media people who he's kind of you know been nice to in the past and stuff and I and I don't think with Eddie Howe there is that kind of support for him in terms of you know, I don't think he's particularly friendly with any journalists I think it was great last week when we, we all sat down with him and actually he was telling us you know he was going quite quite candid about about his life and about all these different things he was telling us his you know his dog's name and all this kind of stuff and you know fucking i mean unbelievable i think he got 4000 words out didn't he about his dog's name <laughs> but um, but you know he's but th- that's that's the problem i think he hasn't you know he hasn't built himself up a constituency amongst sort of a certain type of journalist um, where he's where he's mates with them you know he treats everybody he treats everybody equally but i think you know for me the problem is that there is this saudi issue that is clouding a lot of people's judgment about Newcastle United. I think if you take that away, people would be a lot more re- people would be a lot you know, people would be a lot more ready, I think, to 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 um, laud the job he's done. But you look at the you look at when people talk about manager of the year, they don't talk about sort of Thomas Frank, who I think's done a great job at Brentford, because, you know, it's that's boring and you know the, the kind of Eddie Howe situation, well you know they finished eleventh and everybody was turning around at the weekend and saying, well Steve Bruce finished twelfth was it or whatever. What they are, what they are ignoring is what Eddie Howe inherited, which was an absolute shit show. You know, <laughs> look, I mean, th- it wasn't just the team weren't winning; the culture was pretty rotten. To be honest with you, there was resentment within the camp. There was, you know, people were being blamed outside. It was the media's fault, wasn't it? We were all getting that. Everybody got it in the neck. It was, you know, it was nobody's fault apart from the man whose fault it actually was, which was Steve Bruce, and then as a bigger point, Mike Ashley. And I think what Eddie Howe did really well was he came and he calmed everything down originally. And don't forget, he didn't get results initially, which I think is another thing which makes where they've finished so remarkable. This team in January, we were all there, weren't we, at Ellen Road? That was a game where we thought, fuck, if they lose this, they've gone. And they didn't lose it. They, they had a, you know, they, they played really well. They won that game. Then they lost Kieran Trippier a few we- a couple of weeks later. They lost Callum Wilson a couple of weeks later. So for all the talk of money that they've signed, they also lost their two best players and probably the biggest signing in January, but yet still kicked on and did so with players who he personally improved, I think, through his training methods. And you only he- and, and, and look, I think for me, what makes him manager of the year is the fact that Newcastle United is a club now that, you know, as I said, not a lot has changed. Not a lot has changed. Okay, they've got a better squad, but couple of those players are you know are, are, you know are, are going to be going you know Matty Target's probably not going to not going to sign permanently he's, he's probably going to go away you've got Bruno okay he's coming but it's actually the improvement from within which makes what Eddie Howe's done so remarkable and the culture that he's building you talk to the players and they'll tell you that's now a culture of improvement it's not a culture of oh, fucking we got to we got to the end of the season we survived it's now a culture of improvement there and that to me is the most important thing that he's done He's everything the modern player needs, you know. He, he's in there at six o'clock in the morning. He's diligent. He's hard work, and he's, 
he, he, he goes in the gym, he, he, he looks the part, he's erudite, he's intelligent, he's everything the, the, the modern player needs. And they've, they've massively bought into him. And as Mark makes the point, you know, if you strip away everything else, other than the job Eddie has done, not a lot else has changed at Newcastle. You know, there's no new CEO, there's no new director of football. Everything which you, you've seen has been because of, because, of, because of the job he's done. And, you know, you can even allow that to January as well. There was no director of football there. Eddie was the, the de facto director of football. And I think the only sign that he was unsure of out of the five, believe it or not, was, was Bruno. Uh, the other four were, were very much Eddie Howe's sign. And Bruno was a little bit nervous about, and he had to be convinced that... Uh, th that it was worth bringing him in. In actual fact, I think the, the sign that Bruno was a stroke of genius, not because he's a very good player, but also I just think it accelerated the process in terms of the message it sends. You know, if you're signing in window one, a Brazilian international who's going to go to the World Cup in Qatar and start at the World Cup to a worldwide audience, and next to his name, on the, you know, when, when they come up, it'll be Nikas United. I just think that was a, that was a, a, a genius signing. I like that. He's a brilliant player as well. So, you know, every, everyone's a winner. But, you know, we were lucky to spend some time with Eddie last week at the training ground, you know, an hour and a half, 45 minutes on the record, 45 minutes off. Uh, and you just come away thinking, you know, if I was a player, I'd want to play for you. Y you really would. The guy is just everything about him. I come back to that word is, is genuine. And the players have massively bought into him. And it's not the money. The, the, the money has helped. The, the, the signings were very good. But, you know, with that, you had the improvement in Joe Linton. Have you ever seen anything like a turnaround in, in, in Joe Linton from a centre-forward flop to a midfield destroyer? You know, some people wrote in the newspaper, I was the worst signing in Premier League history. That was me. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but, you know, jo jo John Joe Shelby, you know, John Joe now is back being injured and question marks over his long-term future. But, you know, the likes of Emil Kraft as well. You know, Emil Kraft used to, he lives near me, used to walk by the, the, the little patch of grass where I played football with my boys a year ago and you thought he wouldn't get a game. Uh, whereas now, you know, what a professional. And he's just brought about improvement in every individual. And that was my big bugbear with Steve Bruce, that the, the, the results didn't marry to what we were hearing and what we were seeing. We were seeing players either stand still or regress, yet somehow he managed to get results, which just, it was infuriating. It really was infuriating because you knew that those players in there wanted, you know, they, they wanted better, they wanted more, they wanted someone like Eddie Howe, and the players love him. We like him, we like him, I was going to say we love him, you know. One point I did make to Eddie last week, you've probably seen the coverage all around the, the round of applause for Eddie after the, the last game of the season. Now, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with that, and I made the point to Eddie, as much as he deserves it on some level, that, you know, we, and this comes back to what you said about Steve Bruce, I said to Eddie off the record the other day, Mark was there, I said, we like you because you're good and because you've earned our respect. It's not a given. You know, it's not like Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce had a lot of protection because of past loyalties. That's not the case with Eddie Bruce. Uh, Eddie Bruce? Bloody hell. Oh. Uh, with, with Eddie Howe. So, so, so anything you see written about Eddie Howe from us guys is genuine and we really do mean it. And what I will say is, when you saw that about Steve Bruce, I don't think it was genuine. I thought a lot of it at times was, was conning people. Just very, very quickly, I do think Steve Bruce did everybody a favour near the start of this season where he said, it's my job to keep us ticking along or whatever that quote was because that lifted the veil. You know, that, that told everybody what this version of Newcastle was. And, um, you know, they'd been conning everybody. They'd been 
trying to con farms, they've been trying to con everybody that they were ambitious, that they wanted to get into the top ten. You know that that you know that, that was the that was the aim. But he he nailed it when he said ticking along, because that's what the club was. Yeah, and uh, you know to to speak a little bit more about Eddie Howe really quickly, I think the fact that players like Isaac Hayden, uh, who haven't been in the squad, players like Paul Dummer, who's hardly had a kick all season really, second half of the season, he's obviously been working out. Judging uh, by the picture the other day, good luck to the lad. Um, but the fact that these players are so effusive with their praise about a manager who clearly doesn't think they're good enough, I don't think it's unfair to say that, probably suggests how good that spirit is. And I thought it was interesting after the Burnley game that how referenced the spirit of the squad and the players and how important it's going to be to replicate next season. Um, you know, really quickly to ask you about them, and anyone can jump in here. You know, a lot of managers in the Premier League, they give a lot away in their pro the post-match press conferences. Like if Liverpool or Man City or Spurs or a lot of clubs, if they get beat, you know, the, the managers are raging. They're looking for fights. They're picking on, you know, picking on other managers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, Eddie Howe, is, is he like, is he this kind of calm, collected, calculated even guy away from the pitch? You had 45 minutes the other week. Like, what, what is it about him that makes him so different to so many other managers in the league? He's intelligent. I think it, com it comes back to that first and foremost. You know, you've got a press officer sat there alongside him. And I always say at the press officer, you've got the easiest job in the world. This guy manages himself, you know. He's clever, he's considered, he's calm. Uh, yeah, but I do think he's grown into the role, though. I do think there's a part of Eddie uh, arrived here and still had that little bit of a Bournemouth small-time mentality to go back to his unveiling press conference at the very end of it, and I think, don't think this was on camera, he stood in front of all us and, uh, and asked the journalists for our, for our support and, you know, can we all be on site, all part of the same team? And again, that didn't really sit right with me because we are there to hold those guys to account. For better or worse, we will say what we see. We're not, we're not part of the same team. But I think he's, he's grown into that role, and the example I use is that... Uh, the other day, the big topic on, on Friday morning was the, was the pitch invasions. Now, usually, 
if you ask Eddie a question like that, he would, he would shy away from it. You'd know, give a very bland answer, which would be so low down the news list in terms of the 20 Premier League managers who were asked about it. Now, if you picked up Saturday's paper, it was Eddie Howe's name. It was on the back of every paper. He was using words like, you know, a tragedy is going to happen. We've got to do something to, to stop a terrible uh, occurrence here. And that, to me, just showed that he'd grown into the role and he thought, you know what, I'm actually going to give these guys an answer and I'm going to put myself at the, the top of a news agenda. And I thought, you know what, good on you. It's a small example, but as a journalist, it did just make me think that he, he has evolved and grown into it. He, he, I mean, he's a nerd, to put that in a... To, be, to, be, to, use, to use that word. But I mean that, in a, I mean that as a compliment. I mean, it is... It is just about football for him. Um, you know, the stories about him, you know, the cliche about being first in, last out, they're all true when it comes to him. He set the tone on day one, didn't he, by turning up at six o'clock in the morning or whatever. But that's what he that's what he does. He's about detail. So not all of that is is sort of transferable to make him sound exciting. And there is a comparison to Benitez there, I think, that, you know, Rafa's very, very clever. If he wants to say something, he'll say it. But if he doesn't, he won't give you anything. Um and he's he's a he's a football man. It's about detail. It's about small uh, percentage improvements, and that's what he's like as a bloke. Yeah, I, th I think what I like about him is he's a thoroughly modern manager. You know, you you look at England, for example, with Gareth Southgate. Now, Gareth Southgate is probably not the best tactician in the world. He's not the you know he's not he's never going to be the, the the best coach in the world. But what he recognised is that in England he had to build a culture. Players these days do not want to be shouted at. They don't want to be um, cajoled that way. It's not, it's not how things work anymore. Obviously, there is, there is room for that. They want somebody who is going to encourage them. They want somebody who is going to build a culture where they feel they can improve. Now, what I like about Eddie Howe is that is what he's, that is what he's about. He's a modern manager. He, he works with the players. He's not, he's not their best friend. He's not their kind of schoolmaster. He's somewhere in between. It's the boss that we all want, the kind of guy who's not going to necessarily bollock you if you do the wrong thing, but he's not going to go overboard on the praise if you do something really well because his attitude will always be, right, this is what we're, this is what we're all about. And that's why, that's what I love about him. And I think that's why you, you're not going to see him go mad when, when the team lose. You're not going to see him go overboard when the team win because he, he, it's not about that. For him, it's about building a culture where they're all going to improve and they'll get there in the end, I think is his, is his attitude. And that's why I think Newcastle have been missing for a long time. He's a modern manager. You know, we've talked about the previous guy. I won't mention his name, Steve. I won't mention his name. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, God. We're all at it now. Um, I, I won't mention his name. Uh, but, you know, we had it with Rafa to an extent. Rafa was a fantastic manager, but he was always fighting those battles because he had those battles to fight. Alan Pardew had it for a while where he was kind of working with the team. And then, you know, look, they were always going to get dragged under by Mike Ashley. What you've got with Eddie Howe is a guy who is comfortable in this role and he makes the players feel comfortable. And you can see from the way that they are and from the way that they, they kind of interact with us as journalists, from the way they interact with fans, from the way they are on social media, there's a comfort about Newcastle United and about where this club is going that I think comes from Howe. Obviously, it comes from the fact that you've got owners who they know we're going to back them. But it comes from the fact that Eddie Howe has built a, 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 you know, I keep going back to it, a culture where they were going to grow. And that, for me, is why he comes across so uh, so calm. Because, you know, he knows, look, we'll win some, we'll lose some. But we're, we're getting where we need to go because everybody's buying into this, this, this thing that we're building. But there is a problem with that journalistically. Everyone likes each other. It's boring. <laughs> you know, bring, bring back Bruce. Yeah, I prefer the training ground fights. <laughs> we said that to Eddie the other day as well, and he did laugh. <laughs> For now. <laughs> no, no, no. 
Let's uh, let's look ahead to next season then. Um, I don't know who wants to go first here because there is huge expectation, and I think rightly so, because Newcastle United are a superb football team, fourth best team in the Premier League since January. Uh, there's a lot of teams with, despite you know conversations about what Newcastle spent, you know other teams Newcastle have done better than in that time, uh, with far greater resources than Eddie Howe and Newcastle United at the minute. How high? Should we be aiming next season? Who, who who wants to be ambitious? Any of you think we're looking at top six here? Or do you think this is a slow project? We can't get ahead of ourselves because, you know, what is it now? It's the end of May, and I wish the season was starting next week. Despite being exhausted from this season, the demand for tickets is like nothing I've ever seen before. There'll be people camping out at St James's Park when the season ticket sale date is released. You know, let's entertain the crowd here. Give us but something to dream about. Who wants to go first? That is why. Newcastle United might have a chance of finishing, I'm going to say top eight, because I think top six is a hell of a jump from 11th. I know they, they are fourth at the moment. They've played a lot of teams, I think, at the end of the season who potentially don't have too much to play for, but they have played really, really, really well. But we know teams are going to invest this, this summer as well. But like you talk about the enthusiasm, that's why I feel positive about what Newcastle United can come because of the support. Because we talk about what, what last week was, if teams are going to come and play Newcastle United and that is going to be the atmosphere, they're going to catch teams. And I don't think there's a lot below eighth that at, with this iteration of Newcastle could live with Newcastle at the moment, the way they're playing. And they will improve the team in the summer. You know, They're going to do good business, I think. They're not necessarily going to spend 200 million, but they're going to sp- they're going to do decent business. They're going to get better. So I think top eight for me is, is possible. Are they as good as Wolves? Yeah, I think probably they are. Um, you know, who finished... You've got West Ham. I mean, the, you know, Manchester United might improve, but you know they've got massive Newcastle expectation. Newcastle finished the season what seven points behind Man United. It's not, it's yeah, not a lot. Man United are shite. Yeah. I know that. But what I lo- what I loved, by the way, about when we, when we sort of talked to Eddie Howe about that, that they're not trying to downplay that expectation necessarily. And look, there might be there'll be times next season where it's going to get it's going to get a bit hairy, and everybody's going to have to maybe you know there might be a few grumbles and things might happen. But I I, th- I think they can aim for that, and I think you know top eight for me is. Is is definitely achievable, and why? If you get into top eight, why can't you then kick on and try and do something else? You know, we've seen Newcastle have finished twelfth last season. Was it twelfth last season? Eleventh this season, with a team you know that didn't win a game for the first fourteen games of the season. The Premier League is not that good. <laughs> like some of the teams that have stayed up this season, Everton have stayed up, and Jesus Christ, how have they stayed up? But they have. You know, the Premier League is not that good. I think you can you can make decent progress. So I think top eight for me would be a, a realistic achievement. You, you say top eight, Mark, but I think finishing eighth would be a disappointment to do because eighth doesn't get you into Europe. I think the absolute minimum next year has to be European qualification. If you sign Bruno Gomares in January and he sits there in front of us guys at St. James's Park and says, I've been sold a dream of, 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 of playing and winning the Champions League here, he's not going to settle for another season outside, of, outside of, of European football. Even the Europa Conference, I think you've got to aim for the top six. As Alex says, since the turn of 2022, Newcastle are the fourth best team in the division. And I think you've got to use that. You've got to use that momentum, supplemented by, we're told there's going to be three sign-ins this summer. You know, I think three sign-ins at around the, the £30 million mark. That's three top quality players you know, coming into what they've already got. That maintains the, 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 the core of the squad, which have all had this buy-in into in, in what Eddie's brought to, brought to the club. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I think you've got to be aiming for, for European football, Europa League football. Why not? If you don't do that, you, you slow the journey. You, you, miss a, you miss a step. You miss a beat, really. 
to be really boring. Um, Impossible. And, um, and kind of old. If you offered me 10th now and not a single mention of relegation, I would take that. But, but I would, but I would want to see. No, but I, I, know, I know, I know. But I would, but I'm, I'm talking about me. And if you could see the signs of the team progressing, da da da. The thing I love about this iteration of Newcastle, as you put it, which is a great way of putting it, is that they're not interested in my comfort or anybody else's comfort. They want to make life difficult for themselves. They've done that from the day one, when they talked about winning the Premier League or qualifying for the Champions League and competing with those teams within five to ten years. They've set the bar for themselves. So, I mean, I, th I think eighth, I do think eighth would be... Would be eighth would is a huge disappointment because if you finish eighth, you're one, side, one place outside Europe. It's, it's not a huge disappointment from being bottom of the table. You, you know, finished 11th this year. I, I honestly think, for me, eighth would be a disappointment oh next I year. <laughs> yeah, I can't... I'd, 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 I don't, I can't, I don't agree with that because I just think, I mean, if they're sixth in April or fifth in April or May or whatever, and then drop down, sure. But I just think from where they've come from, they've still got a lot of work to do. Um, the hit rate they had in January in terms of signings was extraordinary, and that cannot possibly last because uh, everybody has been brilliant. The only slight caveat in that is Chris Wood, but then Chris Wood did exactly what he was asked to do and play, I'll defend him to my last breath because he played his part in a team that won all those games. That hit rate can't possibly continue. Um, but eighth, eighth, I, I think would be fantastic. From would where, you from guys be happy with eighth? Eighth and finishing one place outside Europe? Oh, well, I'm wrong then. What, what was, <laughs> do, you know, do you know what was really interesting? And, and Eddie Howe uh, made a point of mentioning the Cups, didn't he? He made a point of mentioning the Cups and having a go at the Cups. And I think, you know, if they finish 10th, if they finish 11th, but they go deep in either of the Cups, I think that is a sign of something as well. And I, and I think, look, what, what, we, what we want from Newcastle is, is, is to create a few memories because there hasn't been any memories the last few years. You know, there's been some fantastic games this year, but the team have not, the team have got knocked out in the FA Cup, League Cup. So I think if they can, you know, if they can challenge for one of those cups, and I think they can do that, Leicester have won the cup a couple of years, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, that for me, again, would be a, an important thing. There's, the, there's yeah, exactly. yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a really strange and kind of beautiful feeling around the club at the minute. We were talking about this beforehand. I was at, um, you know, the Cambridge game, and uh, I was in the stand for that. And third round day used to be my favourite day of the year when I was growing up because because of my age, Newcastle were a cup team. That's how I knew Newcastle. It was as a cup team. That's how I was brought up to think of them. And of course, they're anything but a cup. I mean, they're anything but a league team as well. But, you know, they're anything but a cup team. And al but although that day against Cambridge was embarrassing and humiliating, I kind of came away with a positive feeling because I had that idea in my head that in 12 months' time, it, on third round day in the FA Cup, no matter which division Newcastle were in, and at that point it looked like the championship, the club would be immeasurably better you know it would have a good manager it would have good owners they'd be stretching for something they'd be straining for something they'd be doing their best and the club would be in a much better state in the same way I was at Man City with my little brother he's 42 he's not really little um, and um, I loved every second of it we had a great time Newcastle got thrashed 5-1 and every time a goal went in the noise got louder and louder why did I enjoy that 
because I had this overwhelming sense in my own head that the next time Newcastle play Man City, they may still get beaten, but the club will be better and the team will be better. And that's carried through this whole season since the takeover. Now, that feeling won't last forever either because next season we'll want to see those signs of progress. And so there's a very... I mean, so when you say, Craig, enjoy the journey, I totally, I totally get that and share that because at the moment we've got this incredible buzz around the team because we just know things are going to get better. At some point, they do actually have to get better. It's like Del Boy, isn't it? You know, the boring part is when you when you make your millions to so just enjoy. As good as that destination will be if Newcastle ever do get the Premier League, Champions, Champions League, the point I make is just, you know, don't ever forget how special this season has been. I think in reflection, 10, 20 years' time, this could go down as a, as a really memorable, I was there. I was there season. I really do think that. I think the euphoria will last till next season. I mean, you, you guys yeah, it will, absolutely. You yeah, guys will. can maybe put me in the wrong, but I, I think what, what's been remarkable about this season is not just, okay, look, we had Monday, which was, which was so superb, but actually when the team were losing, nobody was on their backs. No, no. The point was they, they could win under the previous manager and it, wouldn't have, it didn't feel like it did when they lost this game. And I think, you know, look, I think in two, three, four years' time when they have got better players, the manager will be under pressure to get into the top four, the top five. And it will be a case of, look, we're not just going to put up with you trying your best. It's going to have to be better than that. And I think that will be a natural progression of the football club. But I think it'll last for next season. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I think, look, if they lose the first three games next year, you know, obviously it's going to get edgy because it always does with Newcastle United when you can't afford to lose three games. But I, I don't think it's going to be you know, everything's toxic and no. we've got to throw everything out. I think that euphoria will last. I think, you know, the war flags will still do the displays. You know, it's going to be, it's going to it's going to last for a little bit longer, I think. And that's what's kind of nice to feel is that we're going to have an, probably, I think, another season of it. And imagine if they do get into Europe that year. But I mean, God, 30,000 people go into <laughs> some of these games. You know, it'll be like Bruges on steroids, won't it? It'll be like unbelievable. And I can't wait to be part of that. Very interesting. I, I'm more like Craig. Would I be happy with 10th next season? Fact, you know, absolutely. We're, we're not, I don't think as a fan base we're particularly greedy despite what's made out by others. But I just feel that Arsenal game was so important because there was a big question mark about Eddie Howe, again, in the national press, but even some Newcastle fans about Eddie Howe's record against top six teams, which is very poor at Bournemouth and had been very poor at Newcastle United so far. Arsenal... I still don't think Arsenal know what happened that night. The, the, Mikel Arteta tried to explain it after. I mean, Mikel Arteta is a man prone to hyperbole when he said Steve Bruce was one of the most important, in fact, the most important manager of the last 100 years in this country, which is, you know, fair play, Mikel. Um, but he but should he's, do he's, gigs, yeah, shouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, and, and he said Newcastle were 100 times. Everything's multiple of 100 with Mikel Arteta. Newcastle were 100 times better than us. And he, he wasn't that much wrong. And I just feel like, okay... Newcastle under Eddie Howe, um, they were poor at Leicester, they were disappointing against Everton away, and all of the other games they lost, you'd expect them to lose. And it'll, be have, it'll have to be quite a big drop-off to change that. And if you look at how good Newcastle have been, it used to be the case when Newcastle would play under Steve Bruce and, and uh, would have two shots, score two goals, and the other team sh should have won 10-2, but it ended up 2-2 or 3-2 at Newcastle, and you left the ground or watching on telly thinking, how the fuck did that happen, but we'll take it. Newcastle don't even concede chances anymore under Eddie Howe in a lot of games. You know, Crystal Palace, Brighton, Aston Villa comes in, St. James's Park, and Martin de Vraca doesn't make a save. And I almost feel like for Newcastle finished, what, three or four points off eight this season? That's some pretty bad luck. Eddie Howe has done this without Kieran Trippier, 
without Callum Wilson, Eddie Howe was, you know, talk about the job Eddie Howe has done. You know, he's had Callum Wilson out since December the 27th. And, the and minus 11 games. You know, he didn't take charge for 11 of those. So, so I think for Newcastle to not be in the conversation for European football next year, they would have to almost get worse. And I think they're going to get better. I agree, that's the point I make, yeah. For them not to be in shout of Europe would be regression based on where they've been in 2022. And to finish 10th, but to finish 10th, right, if you finish 10th, you can generally be relegated with two or three weeks of the season to go. Newcastle have finished 11th, okay? They were only safe 10 days ago. So if you finish 11th, you haven't had a brilliant season. You want to finish company mid-table, George, and not have the R-word relegated. If you finish mid-table, you're mentioning the R-word until, until April. That's just generally the, the, the nature of the league. So I honestly think this year, Newcastle have got to look to replicate the sort of domestic season that West Ham have had, whereby you're in the conversation for Europa League, Champions League, up until up until April time. If you fall away, okay, that happens. But at least put yourself put yourself in the conversation going into the business end. The, be- the beautiful thing is we're having this conversation and we're not idiots. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but I, you know, I, I love that. I mean, and they've done it. Yeah, they've done it in half a season. I mean, they've you know they've got to where they are in half a season. I mean, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I'm very happy with that sort of narrative of steady progression. But having said all that, the most valuable thing you can ever have in football is momentum, and Newcastle have got it, have got it, you know, right behind them. And you know for a fact that the first game of next season will be electric, just like all the games are now. And you know, the point that you made, Dougie, you know, I still pinch myself being in the stadium and everybody wanting the same thing. If you take away the you know, take away the opposition. It's in, it's extraordinary because for so long we've had Ashley out, get out of the club. We've had stuff about the manager. We've had stuff about you know previous managers. To everybody be on the same page is is phenomenal. And you know, I do think that when that is behind Newcastle in a positive way, that momentum it feels unstoppable. And that's that is where we are now. So I'll 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 sign up for Europe if that's if that's what it takes. I will. Yeah, because you mentioned that there, everyone pulling in the same direction. My colleagues around the country couldn't believe it, and I committed this to Prince, that you had Newcastle fans 12 months ago, or beyond that, who wanted the team to lose. Now, that's not an easy thing to commit to print, but I genuinely believed it to be true. And me and you had this conversation, Alex, and you you, without wanting to out you, you admitted at the time yourself that defeats would have been better to an extent to expose the, the, the regime or, or the guy who was, was in charge. You know, you, you had some journalists sat in the press box wanting to get beat as well, you know. I won't mention any names, but... Uh, I, never, but I, I never wanted that, but I never... But, but you I wanted... I didn't want to be there. I mean, yeah, that was the feeling. You wanted the myth and the con to be exposed yeah. is the point I make. There were, t- there were too many times as well during the, the latter days of the Ashley regime where... And, and I can think of four or five times when, you know, when I was, used to be working for, for the Chronicle, where it was, we win a game it shows that you guys have been talking have been writing yeah, absolute yeah. rubbish and there was that definitely that feeling during the Steve Bruce era of us against you and when we win a game it's done to prove you lot wrong who doubt us but the you lot were Newcastle United fans or the Newcastle United media who wanted the team to win because it's better for you know it's better for us but obviously heart, like 75% of the people who write about Newcastle United are Newcastle United fans there's, there's and, and but they didn't they wanted they they wanted to show us you're wrong yeah. and you were kind of like feeling like look it's not about we're not writing as a personal insult towards yourself or the regime it's 
it's about knowing that this isn't the right thing for the football club long term. But they they did enough. They kept doing enough. And it was like, and, and that in many ways was the most damaging thing about it was it didn't melt down. But actually, long term, because they have stayed in the Premier League and now have new owners, it's been okay. But God, that could, that was so toxic, that three or four years, that it nearly killed the football club. I, I, I genuinely think yeah. for a lot of people, they walked away and thought, I'm not bothered about the football club. I've talked to people like, you know, in the football, you know, yeah, I'm a Newcastle fan, but not... You know, it's not for me at the moment. And ten thousand people walked away. It's unbelievable. Yeah. To give away ten thousand free park season tickets. I mean, now you. I mean, it's 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 almost like a dirty little secret that we don't want to acknowledge. But that was how bad things it got. It destroyed relationships. Yeah. It fractured that connection that you had to the club. And people loved the club so much they had to walk away. And I do. I, I don't think it wasn't. It, I don't think that was born out born out of a lack of love for the club or a lack of passion i think it was the opposite i think that was people caring so much that they couldn't see this slow death mm. happening in front of them and now we've got the other side of the club which is people panicking about how to get a ticket and that's you know that is what we want it was the worst coming to the match and you know I'm, i am a newcastle fan brought up a newcastle fan i'm paid to be there a lot of the time but coming to the match was the worst bit of the week mm. the point mark made there about you know every time the they won. It was being thrown back in our faces as journalists. I mean, who can remember the 2-2 win at Everton? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, I'm sorry. I was in the, I was in the way in for that. That did feel like... It was a win. That, well, it felt it like a win. That was amazing. Uh, no, but he, did that, he did that a lot, though. The FA, cup, the FA Cup run. The uh, FA Cup run. Undefeated in the FA <laughs> Cup. Be West Brom. I mean, that, you know, that was the kind of thing that you... That you sort of got used to, and, uh, and it was it was there under Alan Pardew as well, you know, where they'd, they'd win a game, they'd stay up, and it was like, it was us against you, you know, they, they and, and that feeling is like a total anathema to Newcastle United, because that is not Newcastle United, is it? It's not, it's not the club that everybody in this city recognises, it's not, it should be the, the kind of, the, the catalyst for this city to kind of feel good about itself, it shouldn't be we're kind of ashamed of Newcastle United, where people were going to the ground and taking pictures of dead pigeons on the top of the toilets, and you know that was how people felt. They were they were fucking is that still there? <laughs> is it still there? The Gallagher pigeons. Before before we move on to the to the ownership, um, I think we should all just take a moment to reflect about how West Brom fans must feel right now, because that's got to be a pretty low place to be. Uh, good luck next season, lads. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the new owners then, if you can still call them new. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left of this first part of the show. George, a question for you to kick off with. Um, do you think they have even been surprised by their success, or has it been the master plan that's fallen into place as planned? Uh, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> no, because they, I mean, I think the point is that they, if, you, if you take a step back, it's very difficult to do that. Um, sort of certainly in the middle of the season, I know we're at the end now, but we have to remember that they came to the club. They weren't expecting to be in that position then. So it's happened to them very, very late. They were expecting to get it in January, if at all. And so when they came in, they had nothing ready and nothing prepared. I mean, they say that there was a plan for relegation and that they had to talk about it internally and that they did, um, but they, they, you know, they never lost faith but i think the fact is what they did in january wasn't part of the original blu blueprint um obviously neither was callum wilson getting injured but in the end they spent a lot more money in january than was ever part of the plan because they had to react to circumstances so 
you know, it feels 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 okay now, and it feels good. But no, I think I mean, but that's you know, that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, there's been dogma at the club, if you want to call it like that, at various points under Ashley, whether it was you know only signing players under 24 or you know whatever, all that kind of um, stuff. And they've shown themselves to be very flexible. They've responded to events, um, and they've they've done it kind of very methodically as well in in, in other respects such as getting rid of the manager and approaching uh, the new one and all the rest of it. But they I mean, they, I got, they got lucky with that to a degree. It was us who killed Unai Emery. You, so you, you, you specifically, you yeah. So yeah. You, yeah. me, who killed yeah. Unai Emery. Uh, <laughs> worked out okay in the end, didn't it? So well, no, and they and and, and and they've said and they've said, you know, they've said it worked. They have said it worked out perfectly, and they've said that Emery would have been the wrong choice for them and. Um, that's, what I thought. that's why I put it in the paper. Oh, well done. <laughs> well done. It's all down to you. <laughs> do you know, the one quote from, from somebody that I spoke to kind of around the, the owners that, that stuck with me all through the season is, um, and this was when they were bottom of the league, I believe, or at least they were maybe not bottom of the league, but they were, they were in a lot of trouble. They were not winning games. They had some really difficult games to go. And they said, you will thank us for what we're doing at the moment, in the long term. And that was when there was a lot of worry about why aren't you getting a manager? I think Graham Jones was, was in at the time. Um, they weren't, you know, we were all sort of getting very, you know, nervous about the, the director of football, throwing a lot of names around and stuff. And it was like, the thing that has surprised me about them and has really been great, I think, about them is that they are, for, for people who have that kind of common touch, you know, they use social media, they're, they're very aware of the fact that, you know, they need to kind of channel this, this energy and, you know, they're getting some criticism, I think, for going on the pitch and being visible, which I think's bullshit, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, like, they've, they've bought the club, have fun with it. It's a, you know, that's, that's the point. You, you buy a club to, to be part of it. Why shouldn't you? You know, they'll have to front up when the team aren't doing well. But, um, you know, I, I think for me, what's great is they've got this common touch, but they aren't guided by feeling they need to make decisions to pacify supporters. They are making decisions that they think are in the right, the correct interests of the football club. And do you know what? I think they'll get some decisions wrong. I think there's been times when we've all sort of looked at it and gone, oh, you know, and there's been things where we've all sort of gone, you know, God, I'm not sure what they're doing there or is that the right thing to do or, or why haven't they done this yet? But they have a sort of vision and it's a vision, it's, it's a vision that there's four different, well, there's three different ownership elements of the, of the club. Um, and that's very difficult, I think, to, to kind of navigate but they've done that really well and they've got this long this kind of long-term vision they're not kind of populist owners which i think is you know is a surprise me and being a really pleasant surprise i think for me that they've done a better job than i thought they were going to do and i was looking forward to them coming in so can i just have another go so spending 25 million quid on chris wood was nobody's idea of a blueprint okay but they knew that they had to do it and they did it and that was the impressive thing about that i think murdad lost half a stone in the first few weeks post-takeover. <laughs> Amanda, I think she said she had two days where she didn't sleep in January. January was chaotic. I mean, at the end of it, it was wildly successful, but it was chaotic. So, no, that wasn't part of the, of the blueprint, except that the word in the middle of that blueprint was hope, and they had that at the start. It's kept them going for the last four or five years, you know, four years, whatever. And it's kept them going all the way through the season. And that's what they brought back to the club and injected back into the club. So in that sense, yes, that is the blueprint. And 
Amanda Stavely, whatever happens from this point onwards, she will always be the woman who brought the Saudis back to the table. You know, she will be the woman who gave you the richest football club owners in the world. And, you know, history will always tell us that. It, it, it will, and I've made this point to them as well, but I also make the point of, and don't outstay your welcome is, 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 the, is the wrong word, but don't leave yourself at the forefront of the club for too long. Put the right people in place. We're almost, what, nine months in now? There's no CEO, there's no director of football, and Amanda and Murdoch are still steering the ship to a degree. And they did a good job in January, and, you know, they probably, possibly will still have another good in the summer. But I do just think to protect their, their own legacy to a degree, there will be no harm, and I think there's others around the club share this, this view as well, in putting the right people in place as soon as possible and just revert into the shadows. They've done a brilliant job. They have absolutely transformed a football club. People from the outside look in and they're cynical, and I know why they are cynical, but everything they have done, you guys have absolutely loved and have absolutely bought into. And for, for, for that, I think you should all always be eternally grateful to them. But it does come back to the thing Mark said at the start in terms of actual tangible change with inside the club. There hasn't been a great deal yet. There's still a hell of a lot of work to do, and for that, I still think they need the, the right people in place. Spot on. Well, that'll do it for part one of tonight. Uh, thanks to you three for that. It was fantastic. We'll be back in 20 minutes. Thanks. <laughs>